This is the Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors, where you'll hear about many aspects of law in England and Wales with special guests, industry experts, and local charities. Here's your host, Amanda Jones. Hello and welcome to Season 3 of The Legal Lounge. If you haven't heard the shows in the first and second seasons, there's plenty of content worth a listen, with conversations and advice about divorce, injury claims and business partnerships. There are also some excellent episodes where you'll hear from local charities and learn about the amazing work they do. You can listen to these shows on your podcast app or by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. In this episode, Emma Farrington and Laura Weir from our clinical negligence team look at the current state of the ambulance service highlighting the slow response times to 999 calls and the reasons why this is the case. The impact on patients is seeing some negligent care and potential claims will arise. Hi, I'm Laura Weir. And I'm Emma Farrington. And today we're going to discuss a hot topic, the ambulance service and the crisis it is currently facing in terms of the delays in attending patients and the long handover times at hospital. We have all seen the long queues of ambulances outside the hospitals on the news, but today we're going to try and dissect what is actually happening and how this is affecting patients. It is particularly topical at the moment um, because This is the day that we're recording, is actually the day that the Director of Nursing, Mark Doherty, predicted that West Midlands Ambulance Service would collapse. Thankfully, it hasn't happened and it's still going strong today. But with all 10 ambulance services in the UK on black alert, which is the highest level possible, clearly things are just not improving. Today, we're going to discuss, first of all, the background, so how the service should run and how it is failing. We'll also discuss the cause, so why are ambulance services struggling to meet demands and we have got some input from a paramedic who is currently working on the front line. We're then going to look at briefly the impact, so what does this mean for patients and how is the failing affecting patients? And finally, we'll discuss clinical negligence cases that we have seen arise from substandard ambulance and paramedic care. Let's do a bit of background to start with then. So... We need to look at how responses are categorised and how they're failing to meet those times. So there's four categories, aren't there, Emma? So there's the first category, which is category one. So these are the most severe. So these are life-threatening, needing immediate intervention and resuscitation. So we're talking about cardiac arrest or respiratory arrest. So paramedics should respond to those calls within seven minutes. So that's seven minutes from the 999 call being made. Then we've got category two. So these are still an emergency or potentially serious condition. um, And these require response within 18 minutes. So these are things such as stroke or somebody that they think might be suffering from sepsis or um, major burns. We've then got category three. So there's a bit more time for these ones. So it's 120 minutes from 999 calls. These are urgent, um, but they're not immediately life-threatening. So with things like pain control or transport um, within hospitals to different hospitals for special treatment. And then finally, category four. Um, so these are your non-urgent transport things with 180 minutes as time frame. Um, so they're the categories. Um, so Emma's going to talk about how um, the stats are actually measuring up compared to those. So obviously that's how things are supposed to work. However, there is a national problem and the NHS data has shown that in March 2022, ambulance trusts nationwide have had a slow response times even to some of the most urgent of incidents. So as Laura said, obviously for category one calls, um, that these should be responded to within seven minutes of the 999 call being made. However, 
um, since May 2021, the average category one response time has exceeded the seven minute target. And this actually peaked recently in March 2022, at which point um, the average response time was nine minutes and 35 seconds. The worsening of category one response times has also come alongside an increase in the number of category one incidents. So in 2021 um, and 2022, the average number of category one incidents was 74,658 each month, which is 36% higher than the previous year. So in terms of category two response calls, as Laura mentioned, that should have an 18 minute response time on average or 40 minutes in 90% of the calls. However, in March 2022, again, there was a significant difference in the actual response time, which was one hour and one minute. Again, this is the same for category three response times. And shockingly, in March 2022, the highest response time actually reached a peak of eight hours and 36 minutes. This is the same for in category four response calls. Again, Laura's already mentioned that these should be responded to within 180 minutes as they're the less urgent calls. But in March 2022, patients were kept waiting for some nine hours and 56 minutes, which is the worst performance that has ever been recorded. Interestingly, a report published last month by the Association of Ambulance Chief Executives found that more than 3,000 patients in England are likely to have come to severe harm as a result of all of these delays. I think the stats speak for themselves, but what is actually going on and what is causing all of this? So Emma and I have obviously done some research for this podcast and what is clear and what everyone says on every platform is that there's not just one cause. It's not as simple as just sorting out that one issue and everything will be fine. Instead, it's a deadly combination of higher demand, staff shortages and inappropriate categorization of the calls. Before we recorded this podcast, we actually spoke to a serving paramedic who actually wishes to remain anonymous, um, and they have said that it isn't all the ambulance services' fault, and actually a big percentage of the delays is being caused by long handovers at A&E. So the research that we've done has revealed that whilst the handover time should be around 15 minutes, between April 2021 and April 2022, there was a 4,000% increase in hours lost on handover in the West Midlands. Some patients waited in the back of an ambulance for 24 hours before being admitted to hospital. Because of this, paramedics are then stuck whilst being unable to transfer the patients into the hospital and get back out onto the road, resulting in um, patients that are waiting for ambulance being left at home for longer periods without having undergone any clinical assessment or receiving treatment. We've all seen on the news, haven't we, the photos of the ambulances queuing up outside hospitals. Um, So we've tried to look into it a bit further to see why there are these queues. And it seems like the hospitals are saying that there are hundreds of patients um, that are ready for discharge each day, but they can't be discharged to go anywhere. So what that means in turn is that the system stops working because there's nowhere for the ambulance service to offload new patients for admission. From speaking to our paramedic it's clear that the force on the ground see that the cause is multifactorial. They feel under increasing pressure with no real solution in sight. 
the paramedic that we spoke to has been qualified for five years now and worryingly she thinks that the situation is getting worse so she says that attendance times are getting worse and the paramedics feel that it is now beyond their control whatever the cause the impact is clear patients are being put at risk of serious injury and death it really is a grim picture and if it continues the ambulance service will undoubtedly have to start turning away all but the most serious injuries and conditions and I think we've already started seeing this so what we're going to do is try and look at some clinical negligence examples and I think that um, as Emma was about to say that it really does tie in with the impacts and how things are affecting these patients whilst the pressures are higher than ever um, there is no defence for negligence and the ambulance services duty to their patients is paramount we are yet to see an obvious increase in inquiries being made to us at Lanyon Bowdler but this is often the case with clinical negligence there does tend to be a bit of a delay between the events and then patients um, seeking advice from solicitors We've both, however, had cases against the ambulance service previously and there is a real range of incidents. So what we thought would be helpful was to give you um, about four examples of cases that we've seen and they're all a bit different and how they work. Um, So Emma's going to start off with giving two examples and I'll do the the last two. So the first example um, happened in October 2021. It was a patient in Cambridge who really tragically died in the back of the ambulance that they were in whilst um, the ambulance was waiting outside an overwhelmed um, A&E department. In that case, the patient suffered a cardiac arrest whilst the paramedics were waiting to hand her over to A&E staff and they were forced to wait outside with all of the other ambulances because the A&E unit um, was just so busy. That's kind of an example of um, some of the issues that we've spoken about, um, but perhaps some of the other examples that we're about to give concern slightly different issues um, and let us kind of look at things from a different set of circumstances. So the next example um, of one of the cases that we've dealt with concerned a patient who had just given birth to her daughter um, and unfortunately she suffered complications which should have been classed as a medical emergency. The midwife that was looking after her contacted the paramedics but unfortunately she didn't convey sufficient information in order to allow for the proper categorisation of the call. As a result, um, what should have been a Category 1 response actually received a Category 2 response and there was a delay in transferring her for appropriate care and she sadly died. Okay, so the two that I'm going to talk about are probably a bit um, different in that they're relating to the paramedics' actions. So it might be a reflection of the pressures on them um, and them being worried about not being able to transfer and things but patient B um, he was at home he was experienced symptoms of confusion slurred speech and vomiting his wife calls an ambulance but when the paramedics arrived they considered that he was suffering from sickness um, and they didn't convey him for any treatment sadly the patient had actually suffered a stroke and he did not survive and then I've had one recently where the patient was complaining of chest pain he was known to have um, cardiac issues the paramedics attended they did an ECG as they were supposed to um, but unfortunately neither of the paramedics actually checked um, the reports coming from the ECG Um, and because they didn't check it they missed that he was actually having a heart attack a STEMI so instead of transferring him to a cardiac unit where he could have got some treatment they actually just transferred him to a smaller local hospital that just didn't have the facility 
ability to deal with him that caused then a delay because obviously once he got to the smaller hospital they realized that they weren't equipped to deal with him so then he had to be transferred again unfortunately treatment was too late by that point and so that's another fatal one so sorry a little bit um doom and gloom (laughs) with our examples but it just highlights the severity when things go wrong in emergency care it really is life or death as Laura has mentioned um, the examples have been a little bit doom and gloom and whilst this podcast has focused on um, all the issues that the ambulance services are currently facing I think it's clear that we all want to see improvements nobody knows when they might need an ambulance um, or what's going to happen and making sure that the system works is crucial for everybody's safety and then just to reflect on the causes and what can be done and I think we're at a real crossroads in terms of the impending change of leadership in parliament and a potentially new health secretary um, so hopefully a plan will be put in place but I suspect the answer like we've we've said multiple times there's, there's lots of causes but I think one of the main answers would be to put some more money into funding social care that way when patients are ready for discharge at hospital they have somewhere to go and that will free up some space for new arrivals via ambulance. That's a really good point and um, obviously priority will also need to be given um, to recruitment of paramedics and ensuring um, that we have an increased workforce that's able to deal with the rising demand. That being said, this is a chronic situation. Improvements won't be immediate. So if you or someone you know has been affected, please speak to one of our specialist lawyers by visiting lblaw.co.uk. Thanks to Laura and Emma for lending their expertise. More proof that lawyers don't bite. If you need legal help from either of them, please get in touch through lblaw.co.uk. Thanks for listening. If you found the conversations helpful, please remember to follow, review and share the episodes. And don't forget to go back and check out some of the shows from the other seasons. Speak to you soon. That was the Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors. Visit lblaw.co.uk slash podcast for helpful resources. And please do follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.